This is Guitar Talk. To me, it just seems like there are endless possibilities. One of the things I like to find out, you know, how people got influenced in the play and the guitar, because stories are so unique. The trick is not to feel pressured to conform. If you know anything about Joel, he's been around the block. He's probably one of the most sought-after guitar players. How would you create that song? How would you turn that song into your song? There's not a guitar player on this planet that I personally don't follow closer. It's it's not something that you see too often. I only know a few players that do it. Now, from the home of the blues, Chicago, Illinois, welcome to Guitar Talk with your host, Jimmy Warren. All right, everybody, Jimmy Warren here. Welcome to Guitar Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, before we jump into the show today, the very first Guitar Talk newsletter went out. And it's got all the information on who our guests are throughout the month, not only on the podcast, but also on Mountain City Rock uh, Radio, the show that I do on Saturdays. And then also everything that's going on at Guitar Talk TV. Yeah, there's so much happening. Now, if you're not uh, connected and you didn't receive it, you can. Just go to guitartalkofficial.com and sign up for the email blast to be a subscriber to Guitar Talk, and then you'll start getting everything the way that you should. Now, here's something else that you need to get. Today, bluesman Mike Zito is with us. Now, Zito is a great player, a super kind human being. His last album was a tribute to Chuck Berry because Mike is from St. Louis originally, and he absolutely loves Chuck Berry. He did a show Uh, Towards the end of the season, before all things went to hell, Uh, he did that show with Walter Trout and Eric Gales and Robin Ford. A lot of great players were there to pay tribute to Chuck Berry and to uh, Mike Zito's new album. So uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit, but we're also going to talk about all things Zito because he's an interesting cat, you know, and I think you're really going to enjoy this. So I am going to shut my whole... (laughs) And <laughs> we're going to jump right in with the one and only Mike Zito. You better hurry up and do this, huh? <laughs> hey, man, I'm I'm really excited. I'm so excited for what you're doing and that you're having success, and it's great, man. You're really good at it. It's good. I appreciate that. Thanks, Mike. I really do. Yeah. It's really kind. But what I was saying before the video went out was that I noticed that you were nominated for Blues Rock Artist and Blues Rock Album, right? Yeah, yeah, got very fortunate to uh, to be nominated this year, and um, super excited, proud. And then you go look at all the other big names in there, and it's like, uh, okay, <laughs> it's just great to be in there, man. You know? Yeah. Well, that Chuck Berry album that you came out with, I thought was kind of kind of genius, you know, because Thank you. Chuck Berry, you know, was a big influence to a lot of people. And it's like nobody's really come along and really paid good tribute to him in a really long time. And so uh, the album turned out really nice. And I think you did a big show around it, too, didn't you, down in St. Louis? couldn't be more excited, one, to get all those amazing guitar players to join me. All year 2020, we were going to do shows and bring these guys out, you know, yeah. and get them, uh, get them to come play at different venues. I was so excited and uh, just didn't happen. It didn't work out like that, but we got one great show in, you know, we got one great show. Yeah. So do you plan on once things open back up, do you plan on maybe stepping back into that and doing a few shows? 
Sure. Yeah. We, we, you know, we had one on the books again early. We were going to try again early this year, February. That was booked back in, you know, um, September last year. And then that didn't work out. And uh, right now we've got, um, yeah, we've got the pageant in St. Louis on May the 8th. And I have Albert Castilla, Joanna Connor, Ellie Venable, Tony Campanella, uh, and maybe Rich Fortas if he's still in town, you know, because when he's out on tour with Guns N' Roses, he's hanging around St. Louis. So yeah. if he's hanging around, I can maybe get him, you know, to join us. So uh, if that works out, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would love to. It was That was the whole point of it was uh, growing up St. Louis. I love Chuck Berry. Who doesn't, right? We play guitar. You're going to. And all these guys grew up listening to Chuck Berry. And it's the kind of thing you play on stage together when you want to have fun. So right, it was a, it was a win-win. And I really tried to do it mostly because I just I love the music. He's a big hero. I got to play with him. I know his son. I know his grandson. You know, you live in St. Louis. You're going to live under the shadow of Chuck Berry forever as a guitar player. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like you just said, he's a huge influence on a lot of people, but you know what, man, it's like, you're a really busy guy in the blues. You know what I mean? It's like, you got your hands in so many things in that. And uh, I mean, it's, it's gotta be gratifying in the sense that you're working with so many other players now, because, you know, you, you start out at one place and you end up where you are. And of course, you know, you still got a long way to go, but. Man, it's got to be gratifying. You got what? Yeah. Uh, Gulf Coast Records. Yeah, yeah. We have our record label going. We have fifteen releases that we put out in two years, so it's pretty exciting. You know, it's a lot of work. It's it's it is. You're a lot going on. It, sometimes I wonder if it's too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's too much, but uh, I love it, man. I, I love it. Um, I love making records and I love getting to produce records and I love helping younger artists kind of get going, you know, cause a lot of people help me, you know, uh, mm. Tab Benoit and Walter Trout, Tommy Castro and Joanna Connor and you know, all these people, they were, they were all doing it before me and they helped me. And um, I just, man, I love it. I just can't get enough of the, uh, the blues and the blues rock genre. I just love the death. Yeah. Now, uh, I've interviewed uh, Kevin Burt and Mark May and some of the guys that you have, you know, on Gulf Coast and that. you got a pretty impressive roster, especially that Kevin Burt, man. He is – he's extremely talented. Yeah, yeah the, he's, he's amazing, you know, just uh, what an amazing uh, talent. But you're right. We've been very fortunate to, you know, kind of bring in some – some great artists and um, uh, don't tell Albert Castilla, but he's pretty fantastic too. <laughs> All right. We won't tell him that. We'll, we'll keep that part. Yeah. So, so what made you, what made you want us, what made you want to go down that path, you know, from just being a guitar player and a band leader and that to having a label in that was it, was it purely to help people, because some people don't have the opportunity to get distribution or whatever it is they need, or is there some other, was there some other alternative? A lot of musicians don't know how to, it could be great musicians, but maybe they don't know how to make records. Yeah. You know, maybe they don't know how to market themselves or write songs or 
or how to, um, they just don't, they may not know all those things. And, and I'm never claimed to be the greatest guitar player. But since I was a teenager, I would make uh, four track recordings and demos. And, uh, you know, I could probably got into doing that and I could do that better than I could play. I couldn't play the guitar as well as I could maybe kind of write songs and record and make, I could make songs on this four track since I was, since the eighties, you know? And um, so it's always kind of been my uh, saving grace is uh, I'd learned to make records and I could make records and kind of, and get them out there and get going. And so I, um, one of the things I have a partner, his name is Guy Hale. He helped me build this recording studio behind my house because I've been doing a lot of producing. And we thought, wouldn't it be great to have some kind of a production studio? It's not a full on, you know, um, uh, you know, several room studio, but it's a one room studio. There's a vocal booth. We can we can make records we've we've made. We made the Chuck Berry record here. We made uh, several. I've made probably 25 albums in my backyard. But we thought, wouldn't it be great to have something here to kind of get more work? And then my partner just said, what are you going to do next? What can we do? You know, and I said, I don't know. Um, we could start a record label. And But really, the idea was not to compete with Roof or Alligator or, you know, any of these record labels. It was to help yeah. artists. You know, I said, why don't we do something that's kind of lower level and we help these uh, folks that maybe won't ever get a chance to, or they just don't know how to do it, you know, how to make a record and get it out there. That was the initial idea. And then um, the Albert Castilla Masterpiece record, which I had produced for mm -hmm. Roof Records. And uh, Roof Records, they, they weren't thrilled about it, about the, the production and the way we went about it. It's kind of a different record. And uh, it fell in my lap. And, uh, you know, once we got that, I thought, okay, well, now we got we to gotta turn up the heat, man. Like, <laughs> we're going to have to do this, you know? And so it just... It just blew up from there. And uh, so yeah. now I have a record label. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, I got a lot of help. Just, just let me put that out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, the, uh, the shirt that you're wearing right there, I, I've noticed from social on media. Purpose. On purpose. Jimmy. Okay. All right. I, I know that you're a huge fan. I've seen you, uh, some of your posts on social media and that about Van Halen and that is, is would you say Eddie was a big influence? Probably. He's the yeah. influence. Yeah. And <laughs> you play the, blues. Uh, what's that? And you play blues. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of people that will tell you I don't, play right. <laughs> yeah. but whatever, um, man, I wouldn't even, I don't think I would be playing guitar. Because yeah. nobody in my family played guitar. There was no musicians. No one was, we were poor living in an apartment in South St. Louis. No one, there was nothing like that. I was singing and dancing and trying to entertain always. And up the street, a guy that, you know, uh, there was two brothers and one was older, one was younger. And the older brother was like really into rock and roll and had all these records. And, and my brother's like 20 years older than me. So he wasn't around. And, uh, it was 1978 and uh, I was at their house, man. And, and this dude was playing eruption. He was playing the record, you know? Yeah. And I heard eruption and I just went in his room. I was like, what is that? 
like yeah. a scene like Star Wars. I right. mean, I didn't know right. what a guitar was. Right. right. It was like, I was amazed. I said, what is that? He said, well, it's Van Halen. I said, yeah, but what is it? I don't, I didn't even get it. I was like, what is it? Yeah. It's a guitar. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I have to have a guitar. <laughs> I, I got, got one. And it, it didn't sound like that when we plugged it in at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. I, t I tell you what, I think he was a huge influence on, well, more people than we can even imagine. I, I just told the story not that long ago. I remember waiting in line, like, I think it was like four or five hours outside the Ticketmaster to get tickets to see Van Halen in 79, the first time they came to Chicago. I was in high school. And then I remember waiting outside the Aragon Ballroom because it was general admission for another five or six hours wow. to get in to see, see them play. And to be honest with you, I, I can't remember – I can't remember who the headliner was. Yeah. yeah. But I, I remember Van Halen clear as day. You know what I mean? Because it, there was I, nothing like know, it. I, um, man, I just, I love music. Yeah. I love me. I like all kinds of music. Uh, I, I, I love blues and I love, I mean, I just, I love it. But, you know, I was born in 1970 and, uh, and, in a, you know, South St. Louis to a, a white Italian family. And, um, you know, I heard big band music that my dad played yeah. swing music. Cause he was older. Um, the first rock and roll and guitar and stuff I heard was Van Halen. Yeah. And, um, every, and, and I remember my brother, my brother found out he had seen him. He saw him open for journey mm -hmm. and he said, uh, Ah, uh, we don't think that guy was really playing that. It was like a recording or something. Like they got some gimmick. He yeah. was not impressed, you know. But he gave me Electric Ladyland. He said, "This is this is the guitar player," you know. And I remember, <laughs> yeah, I was so excited. I was like, my brother's paying attention to me, you know. For one, and two, okay, great. Well, I put it on, and it didn't sound like Van Halen. And I was only eight. Right. I was like, well, that doesn't sound like Van Halen. Right. Is that the guitar, you know, like, so it took me years to appreciate that because I kept putting it on because my brother said, this guy's great, you know, mm -hmm. but all these years later, and I went through this whole, you know, school of blues and, uh, but as we get older, whenever I see these guys and, and, and uh, I mean, I don't know who you are, you know, guys younger than me. Oh man. All I, all I ever listened to was, was Jimmy Vaughn and, uh, Hanson Funderburg, man, those, uh, Hanson Funderburg's one of my favorites, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't get to hear Hanson Funderburg till I was in my late twenties. So I don't know who, who they were around or where they got to listen to, but I grew up on rock and roll yeah. and rock and roll brought me to blues, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, and I don't know this, this trend of, um, it's not cool to like what you liked when you were a kid. That's crazy. Right. I've, I, I will love Van Halen till the day I die. And there's nothing like Van Halen to me. It's not, it, it, he plays with, in a way that's so unique and fun. You know, they try to lump him in with shredding. The man, I don't even hear it like that. I hear reckless, abandoned, amazing guitar playing. No. Just a kid having fun, you know. 
And uh, that's it, it, as I've gotten older, I go back to it more and more like, Hey man, remember this was fun. Mm-hmm. I want to have fun. Yeah. I, I can, I can remember going through a period of time after playing so long and then stopping playing altogether where I didn't listen to music for probably six years, oh, seven really? years. I didn't listen to anything six yeah. years, but leading up to the end of that time, all I listened to was blues because you know, I'm from Chicago, and so... We don't hold it against you, Jimmy. It's all right. <laughs> I actually like St. Louis. I, I, do, I do like St. Louis. I actually come down to a game every now and then. Yeah, yeah. But uh, right. but being from Chicago, you know, it was all about the blues. And, uh, you know, for me, my drummer in my first band was Kevin Johnson, who was playing with Buddy Guy at the time. And, uh, you know, I fell in with, you know, all the the players who were playing with all the players till I got my own. But then I stopped, I stopped listening to music. And when I started listening to music again, I remembered how much I love music, period. Not not a specific genre, but just music altogether. You know what I mean? And and I started to go back to all those old, you know, Blue Acer Cult and Van Halen and you know, UFO and Michael Shankner and all, all the different bands that I listened to that I hadn't listened to, you know, in right. a couple of decades, probably. Man, there's a there's a weirdness. And I don't know if it's I mean, maybe it's like this in in jazz. <laughs> there's a weirdness in blues where, you know, there's a lot of you know great, talented musicians and man. If it's not one particular way, if it's not from the 50s, then it's not blues and they don't listen to anything else. And and they yeah. got the only thing I can think of is these guys got one thing in common. They're they're all mad at the world about something. <laughs> like they're not, they don't seem like they're they're joyful. Uh, you know, ah man, that guy, that's not blues, blah, blah. Like, and I never heard that. You know, I grew up in St. Louis and uh we are truly, you know, the home of the blues, like the hockey team. Okay. So, all right. Okay. All right. We're going to give it to you. <laughs> so, but you know, sure. It's not Chicago, but man, we have growing up, we had like great blues artists, you know, big George Brock and, and sure. Kenny Smith and just all these, you know, there were clubs downtown. You could go and see these great artists, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I worked at a music store that was in my neighborhood my whole life started there when I was 18. It, it was a guitar shop five blocks from my house. So how lucky am I? And I worked there for a decade. And that's where I got, that's where I really got my education on guitar, music, anything, you know, I mean, I just, all the guys that played music in town came in that store. Yeah. And I was this kid, you know, but never once did any of those great black blues artists ever tell me, ah, oh, no, you know, you're not, you're not playing the blues, you know, they mm-hmm. always encouraged me. They would, if, if I got to play with them or play around them, you know, they liked what I was doing or, or they'd say, Hey, you're getting pretty good. You know, that sounds good. Right. I, I never once heard them tell me that, uh, you know, so I, I didn't come from that mentality. I didn't even really know that mentality till I got into a national scene. Yeah. And I started to get into where, you know, you got guys that are like, hardcore just Mm -hmm. one thing Mm -hmm. i could see where that would i mean i think that would burn me out yeah i think i'd get disillusioned and 
and maybe not listen to music for after a while or, you know, get disheartened because it's so narrow. Yeah. I'm not saying that's what you did, but I, I, I could see it happening, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think that was a little tiny bit of it, you know, but uh, I've actually, I actually had a conversation. I won't share who it is, but if I said his name, you'd know him because he's a known guy. And I can recall back in, I don't know, maybe, maybe 10 years ago, I did a show at Governor State University. It was me and Larry McRae and Lonnie Brooks and Chris Beard. Yeah. Right. It was, was a, it was a great show, but there was a guy that I was trying to get to come be on the show with us in that. And he was, he was battling whether or not he was going to stop playing altogether or if he was going to continue to play because he was, he was, and I, I don't know what, what it was, but he was headbutting against something that was pushing back saying, you know, that he wasn't a part of the, you know, the scene or, or he wasn't fitting in or whatever it was. And, and he damn near quit, you know, he almost, and he was a great, I mean, he's a great player, great, yeah. great player. I mean, hugely talented. And I can recall talking to him on the phone, you know, several days, you know, several times about that, you know, it's like, I'm just going to go back. I'm going to be a mechanic or I'm going <laughs> to yeah. weld. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I do. I do. I mean, it's, it's a weird thing to me, but um, lucky, luckily for me, Jimmy, sincerely, um, I don't know how to play guitar. I really, I don't, I never, I don't know how to read music. I, I had, I had, I've had a few lessons. My first guitar teacher was Richard Fortas when oh. I was 14 years old. So that's pretty good. Yeah, but, that's cool. You know, um, I, I could never learn the songs on the record. Mm -hmm. So I just, I just played the way I could play. So I wrote my own songs. Yeah. My, my thought was, I've always been like, it's just the way that I play. You know, I don't, I don't know how to play another way. I, I don't know how to play the right way and I'm playing the wrong way on purpose. <laughs> I, I just know how to play the wrong way. Yeah, you know? well, that's cool. I'm just trying to. And wrong so I, I remember being young thinking, oh, man, I'm never going to be able to do this. You know, I can't learn the solos note for note. I can't play the songs in these bands right. Uh, and I think that's why I, I really enjoyed blues is I found a place where I could kind of improvise, mm -hmm. kind of play off. And I was seeing guitar players. You know, I remember hearing the BB King live at the Regal. They came out with like a, like in the nineties, like a new remastered or whatever. So there was, you can tell there's, it's more than one show because he plays like the same song again later. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I'd listen and I'd go, well, he's not playing the same solo. Like that's a different licks from the other one. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, so he's kind of just playing what he's feeling when he gets yeah. up there. And then I started, you know, I was 19 listening to Almond brothers live at the Fillmore. And again, they came out with the box set. So it had all these alternate versions and different, you know, and same thing. I noticed like sometimes they had parts that they played that were very melodic and precise. And then somebody kind of got to go. Yeah. And, and that was what I thought, that's what I want to do. I could do that. Let me play, yeah. let me play what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. And, and I, and I continue to try to do that today. It amazes me when someone can 
like recite something they've worked up note for note or written a solo or uh, I just try not to be so strict. And I think because I'm not hard on myself, I don't really care what anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I don't care if they go, that's not blues. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. I'm playing guitar. That's all that I care about. So, so since that's the way that you are, which I, you know, I can, um, you know, I can sympathize with, with where you are on that because I'm the same way, but are you a person that does much better playing live around people or are you, do you feel like you're better in a studio setting when you're kind of isolated to yourself, just playing your own parts? Well, I mean, I like, I like all of those things. I really do. You know, and we talked earlier about all I'm busy or I have a lot of things going on because I I do really enjoy it. Like um, I don't want to just work in the studio. Yeah. And not play live. I, I love to play live. Like I, I need that. I like uh, entertaining people. Mm-hmm. I like being in front of people. That's been me since I was a little kid. I want to get in front of people and make them smile. And you know, uh, and but I also enjoy that the camaraderie of the band and the sound of the room and you know what I mean. All that great and the gear and I got a new pedal and. Right. <laughs> you know, things are sounding good. You know, I, I love, I just love that stuff. Um, so I don't know if there's one that I'm, I'm better at than the other. Um, I think that when I write, when I can be in the studio and I write my own songs, um, I, so I can write parts, you know, I kind of figure out what I'm going to play and I can kind of find parts. Um, and so I stick to those parts maybe when I play, but not ever the solo. Part, yeah. You know, yeah. I kind of just always let that be free. Um, certainly this pandemic's, I mean, there's not a lot of live music going on. Yeah. And, um, I, it made me think, wow, like I do an old, like an old timey job. Like it's if in the real world, there was all these guitar, you know, I, I, I know it's always there, but for the first time I realized like, well, you know, Pete Thorne's not out of a gig, you know. I mean, he, he right. tours and does great gigs, but he's got a great career online. Mm-hmm. Well, this pandemic didn't didn't do anything for, you know, him. In fact, it might have inc- increased his, right. his business. Everybody was home. Right. But I thought, well, I have no very – I mean, I've never considered that at all. I go and drive around and – and go from town to town and play and pick up money and put it in the bank. And then it's yeah. very old, you know? Um, so I, I've tried to increase learning to do things, but man, I don't know. I think I got to play live. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I enjoy most. There's something about that, you know, that, that experience that you have on stage with other musicians yeah. And, and feeding off of the people too, you know, to, to communicate with them the same way that you're communicating with the band. I mean, there's, there's something to be said about that. I mean, Oh yeah. I hate the studio. I hate the studio because I feed off of other musicians. I'm a, I'm a live player. I'm not a studio guy by any means in that. And uh, so I, I completely get. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think, I think, um, I, I like that I can do, a, uh, you know, when it's a perfect world, I, I'm doing a little bit of this. Yeah. Got enough of that. And it, 
you know, then I go do this and then I get tired of sitting in the van and I want to go home. And, right. and, and I like that, you know, I like, I like that there's a little bit of something going on here and there and, um, yeah, you know, but I, I couldn't do just be like a studio guitar player. Yeah. I could do that. Yeah. You know, yeah, that would, that would, <laughs> that would be painful. Yeah, yeah. So so let's talk about touring for a moment. I know that, you know, there's nothing going on and I'm not talking about right this moment, but I know that it's become increasingly hard for bands in the United States to tour the United States yeah. as opposed to go to Europe or, you know, Japan or something like that and tour over there. I mean, what do you think are the what are the pitfalls for, you know, a young band that's trying to get rolling in you know, says, Hey, I need to get out on the road, you know? Yeah. You know, well, that was one thing I thought about last year was, uh, man, what if you had like a, what if you were 26 and you had a band and you guys were just starting to get in the van and go do something. And then the pandemic hits. I mean, that's oh. and like, no. I mean, it would be the end of it all, you know? And, yeah. and luckily for, for me, I've been doing it for so long that, uh, I could kind of keep a connection with the fans the past year to, you know, I think they'll be happy to, to see me again when we get out there, but, but pre pandemic, sure. Um, there were more gigs at one time. And, uh, you know, one thing I don't have the experience with is, uh, a lot of other genres, you know, and that, that might be one of the other things, you know, like, uh, like I love, I love our genre. I love blues. And, um, there's always, work now you know we don't play in stadiums we don't play in you know for 10 20 000 people right uh, of course we're always trying to do better you're always trying to get more people to come out and, and it and it definitely has gotten increasingly harder now yeah. you know i i think i'm lucky that uh as it's gotten harder i'm a little further into my career and so, but we're still, it's always still trying to get people to, to, to get out of the house. I mean, think about it. I mean, look, you got a 75 inch screen TV and a huge stereo and a, why you want to come down the street and <laughs> when you could stay home, man, and, <laughs> and watch concerts like, you know, like naked in front of your TV. Yeah. Well, it's but, not, the, it's not the same as being, not naked the same. So it's not the same. And that's the thing that's great about, you know, blues is that there's, there's our fans, they want to come out. They're generally a little older, you know, but um, man, you know, I don't know, Jimmy, cause I tell, I tell anybody young that I know, I said, man, I, I only know how to do one thing and it's, you need to get in the van and go drive around and meet people and play in front of people. And, you know, um, we, I mean, you know, look, we do it. I mean, and there's plenty of people that uh, I tell them that and they're like, wow, I don't, I don't want to do that. And like, well, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to be a YouTube star. Or, uh, yeah. if, I, if I did, I would be. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I mean, there's always lots of gigs in Europe. You know, we go to Europe to right. or it's, you know, it's it's much more presented like all oh, this great bands coming from America and they're going right. to play American music. And there's, you know, 
sometimes there's, they don't even, I remember early on going, they don't even know who you are, but they heard there's a guy from Texas coming, not even from Texas, but I live here, you know, (laughs) guy from Texas, he's coming to play blues. So 400 people show up. Right. It's the album with the Texas your flag on the cover that yeah, yeah. they want to know where my boots are. They go, where are your boots? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that was kind of the, the gist of, of what I was getting at. It seems like from what I hear, it's far easier to tour in Europe and Japan and, you know, and overseas sure. than it is in the United States. There's probably, like you just said, you know, they show up, they don't know who you are here. If you go somewhere and they don't know who you are, there's nobody there. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you know, here's a good, uh, somebody asked me the other day, hey, you know, um, while we were talking, I was talking to this band that, you know, if they can get out on the road when things pick up, blah, blah. Somebody said, man, what's it like uh, playing in like New Orleans or Austin? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's fun, but it's not great because there's so many bands. Yeah. (laughs) So many awesome bands playing any night of the week, like in New Orleans that you, you got to have a pretty big name to bring people away from where they're already going to go. And then the local bands have such a draw. Right. And um, so, you know, we do smaller areas, smaller, different areas. And we, and we work our way into New York and Austin and New Orleans and blah, blah. And, And man, I think it's the same way. I mean, you know, you go to Europe and they're excited that, because it's not there. Yeah. America, we take it for granted. It's everywhere. Right. Right. Um, To me, that's further like, yeah, but you need to go out there and go do it. Mm -hmm. You got it. You, it's going to suck and you're not going to make a bunch of money at first, but you got to go and get those people. It's kind of like, Oh man, you know, we're, we're really famous in, in Cleveland but we can't draw in New York. Well, you know, Cleveland's great. Yeah. I'll pay the bills. That's great. I love Cleveland. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, if you're going to really make it, you got to go to New York and get, get some folks to come out and see you play, man. You know? Yeah. Uh, now what about the, what, what about the overall market though? I mean, with the, um, with the opening of like Spotify and Apple and, you know, CD baby and TuneCore and all these places where anybody that's got a computer can make an album and put it out there, you know, uh, doesn't, doesn't it feel like the market is just so saturated with noise that it's really hard to, to pick out, you know, what yeah. you be paying attention to. Yeah. That's why you need to get in the van and go <laughs> okay. drive around door to door and knock on the door. Yeah. And, man, they can never take that away. It doesn't matter how many Spotify's there are, how many, whatever. Yeah. If I go play and we show up and I bring my, you know, people still buy CDs, Jimmy. They, we go play and they buy them. Like, I don't think they even have a CD player. Right. People have CD. You want it signed. Just sign that sucker and give it to me. And they say thanks and it, because they want to support you. And yeah. uh, I drive around town to town and, and, you know, the merch person goes out and puts the CDs out. And afterwards I go up there and sign them and shake hands and take pictures and hang out. And, and uh, it works. Yeah. 
mean, it works, you know, maybe you don't want to do it. I don't know. I don't know. Everybody's different. Maybe you don't want to do it forever, but everybody that I knew that did this 20 years ago told me you got to do this for 20 years. Yeah. If you get on the 20 year plan and you just get out there and just keep going out there and going out, they can never take it away from you. You know, Deb was, you know, toured with them so many years and, um, and then all of a sudden it just kind of blew up and it was just yeah. a hundred people. There was 500 people and 600 people and 800 people. And, and it just kind of snowballed. And it wasn't cause he was had a hit song on the radio or millions of streams on Spotify or whatever. Yeah. It just, he kept showing up and people knew, Hey, this guy's coming. It's really fun. We got to go look at Joe, look at Joe Bonamassa. I mean, you know, yeah, he's got all the social media and all that, but but that's not what it was built on. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't yeah. built on that. That that was they did that later. He he I saw him in St. Louis at the duck room on a Tuesday night in two thousand and there was thirty five people there. Yeah. You know, and he rocked he rocked the rocked the walls, man. I mean, it was it was killer. Yeah. I, I call him never come off the road Joe. <laughs> well, he, knows, he knows how to do the thing that we all have learned one it's the thing that we all wanted to do right yeah. you want to go, oh we're going on tour man i mean never ever were we growing up thinking oh man i hope i can sit in front of a screen and get millions of people to watch me it was we want to go on tour you want to be on stage you want to no you're doing great <laughs> you know i mean you never yeah. it wasn't even a thing when we were kids it was right so, you know, you watch B.B. King do 300 shows a year and you think, man, that is it. Wow. wow. And that's what he does. That's what Joe does. That's what we all want to do is work. Um, you know, this genre, that's the other thing. I, blues is it's a working genre. You know, you're not going to very rarely do we get a number one song and you live on the, the royalties the rest of your life. You know, you, right. You're working, you know, you're, you're playing gigs and stuff. And, and so it's hard. I don't even think about those things, Jimmy. Spotify. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I got one, I've got one song on there. It's, it's a, it's a fun song. I mean, I like it. I like all my songs, but it's not like what I would think would be my, my number one most right. fam- famous song. <laughs> Yeah. And it has like six or seven million plays. And I was like, what, really? Yeah. The one, huh? That's the one that you <laughs> like. Okay. I mean, it's a little ditty, like, you know. Right. Uh, great. But I don't really, I just, man, I don't know that I worry about that so much. I just, let's make records, buy guitars, sell guitars, play gigs, you know. Yeah. Um, that's what I want to do. I definitely want to make records and I want to play shows. Yeah. And I don't, I'm just going to do it, whether that's whatever. Yeah. Well, you, you seem to be uh, a telly guy. Yeah. Right? You, yeah. You're, you're a telly guy. I mean, even your Delaney's look like a telly. Yeah. You know, you're a telly. I always, come, I always come around to a telly. I mean, I like, I've got, you know, I've got a couple strats and I've got a um uh still have I have a Wolfgang and I got an Ernie Ball access and I got a Les Paul and a 335. And 
So it's it's fun. I got my different ones that are my favorites. But a Telecaster, I worked at this music store called Tower Grove Music. It's it's now it's Eddie's Guitars, which is a really famous online right high end guitar store. But that was the music store that was in my neighborhood since I was born in 1970 called Tower Grove Music, and I worked there. And we were a Fender dealer um, and a PV dealer. You know that was what we carried. It's kind of regular stuff. So um, I had a I, I had a Strat, but what I always remember is. It, the guys that worked there that were older, they were like, well, if you get a telecast, that's a working man's guitar. That's what they always said. <laughs> there you, you go. Can play, the other thing they said was if you could play a telly, you could play anything. Yeah. No frills, you know, those things stuck in my head. My dad worked at Anheuser-Busch. He was a union brewery worker. We were, you know, kind of poor working man. Yeah. All right. You know, like if you can do this, you can do anything that, that always stuck with me. So I got a telly and, uh, and I would always go back to it because um, it stayed in tune. There was no bullshit with the trim or, you know, uh, yeah, no parts. Uh, 1990, 91 EMGs were getting really big. <laughs> so I had EMGs in my telly, you know, and uh, or lace sensors. That was the. That was a phase. Yeah. The thing. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, man, I, I, I love a Telecaster. Yeah. Now, when you get a Telecaster, I mean, what do you have to have on it, you know, uh, when it comes to the equipment? Is there something specific or are you a guy, I just pick one off the shelf that I, this feels good and there I go. You got to have certain pickups, you got to have certain pots, kind of wiring, anything like that? You know, I love Mike Delaney. He's my good friend. We did so much, we've done so much fun stuff together. Um, And so we went, we went through this phase you know, I never really paid that much, too much attention on it, but I am, you know, like, I like to, to, uh, I like to mess around. I mean, I've been, that's another reason that Eddie Van Halen was always one of my heroes is, is it, um, he didn't really know what he was doing and he would just yank stuff out of guitars. <laughs> and, put things in and, yeah. and I worked at this music store and I didn't know anything. And we had this great repairman that worked on all the amps and guitars and stuff. And, so I, you know, I learned to put in pickups and put speakers in and homage, you know, just all this stuff that I've realized later, a lot of guys don't know. They mm-hmm. don't always know. So I, I like switching pickups and stuff out. I don't really think about it though. Um, what I'm usually looking for these days is, is uh, that, you know, guitar plays good, obviously. And, you know, it sounds good. I like a, a hot pickup, you know, not, not too hot, yeah, uh, it depends. You know, it just depends. I'm I'm always thinking about what am I going to do live. I can't stand when there's too much noise or hum, and and I don't care what any of the blues uh, guys say. I like to to have some distortion on there or some drive, or you know, like to kind of yeah. I, especially lately, it's been I want to have fun. So, um, ironically, I did put a new set of lace sensors. There you go. In a Tele Ultra, and they sound great. They're, I mean, they're making new pickups, and they're really great sounding. Uh, but I love the Lawlers. That's what we use with uh, with Mike. We use this J Street Lawler. Yeah. Man, that's a great bridge pickup. It was kind of yeah. hot, 
really, you know, not too noisy, really rock and roll sounding killer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Telecaster is like the all around guitar. I think it's, I think it's, I was always a Strat guy, but then one day I got a Tele. And then after I got the Tele, it was like, this is just the best all around guitar there is. I mean, you can do anything with it. That bridge pickup is special to me, you know, because if you get a good Tele bridge pickup, you can, you can roll the volume up and the tone back and it'll almost do a Les Paul, yeah. you know, almost have that humbucker kind of rock and sound. There's a lot of tones and just the volume and tone control out of that bridge pickup. Now, yeah. recently, um, you know, I, I go through all kinds of, man, I just love guitars and gear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, you know, yeah. I got stuff laying everywhere, but I never played G and L guitars, right? I mean, right. I've just always been a Fender guy. We were a Fender dealer, and then a guy brought a G and L. I mean, I'm 50. I've never played a G and L. Yeah. And a guy brought a G and L and a A set, and I was like, "Wow, what is going on here?" Yeah. Amazing. Like, yeah. Like Super Telly. Right. Do you do you play one of the blues boys that has the humbucker at the neck? Well, I got this one here, and it's yeah. it's a Karina wood. Yeah. Um, they only made like a hundred of them, and I found yeah, that's it. Really nice. and, uh, oh my gosh, it's incredible! And then the other one I I got um, has these Z pickups in it. It's it, they're, they're called Z three pickups, and when I saw that, I thought, well, Zito, man, I got to there you go you know it's it's a one of the last pickups leo designed so it's it's a humbucker single coil yeah so it's supposed it's got it's pretty pretty fat sounding i like it a lot i mean it's kind of almost perfect it's got a bunch of mid-range but there's no buzzing or anything, no noise, but it doesn't sound like a hot rails or a, you know, something like that. It still has this single coil kind of sound. Right. Now, does your ASAT, does it have coil splitting on that humbucker? No, no, it doesn't on that one. Yeah. But I have, um, I have this other one, and this one is pretty cool. And it's, this is more like a Les Paul because it's a mahogany maple top. And, or kind of like the Delaney, and it's got humbuckers, and then you can push right. pull it. But what I liked that I thought was amazing is this bridge. Yeah. This bridge that, that doesn't string through the body. So, um, really? but it, but it's, I've tried one before like that, and it didn't feel good, but this feels, you know, like a Gibson, like it's locked on, but the strings lay right on the neck. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I, I, I've been, you know, I've sold a bunch of guitars the past year, of course. And, uh, but I picked up a couple of new things to try and, uh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, if a Telecaster just, it could be pretty much anything off the rack. Yeah. You know, um, I could probably get any like Fender American professional telly or anything. And, or, you know, my, our day, the American standard, the, and that would work great. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, what kind of amp? I know uh, 
I, I actually bought a quilter head because of you. Oh, uh, all right, cool. <laughs> well, I, I saw a video where you were talking about, you know, how you use it as a backup. Yeah. If I'm wrong. And I thought, well, you know what? That's that's actually a genius idea. And I looked it up online. I go, well, this isn't very much money. So I, I didn't even hear one, didn't know anything about them. And I just bought one. And, you know, I got four of them now. It's, yeah. it's, not, my, it's not my main thing, but there's right. so many practical applications for that thing. That's Yeah. No, I, I have one. Well, I've got a couple here, but I have one that's like the 200 watt would reverb. And then I got another one uh, over in Germany. Uh, with our backline because it's a man it's great backup amp right now look it's a great amp i mean i can you, know, you put it on top of a 412 cab and plug a pedal board into it and it's time to rock and roll you know but right uh, i always i mean i prefer to hear the tube amp yeah you know but more than a more than once you know i've been on a gig where one of my amps blew out or I didn't have a tube or something. And I just unplugged the speaker, plug it into that. And we just keep rocking. And uh, they definitely don't break or, or stop working. Yeah. 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 They're, wor they're workhorses and they are nice for that backup. I use one for rehearsal at our, our rehearsal place in that, you know, that's all I have just sat in a small 212 and man, it sounds killer. You know, yeah. I was surprised when I got it, but what's your main amp? What's the, your go-to? Well, um i i guess is it the legacy i see in the back is no. that a, is that a buy legacy it is you can buy that though jimmy it's oh, i could steve. yeah it was signed by steve like really, really? Steve. well see now you got my interest maybe and it's got a 212 cap it's a really great it's a really great amp it's yeah. a little it's a little more drive now this is my studio area so I've got a, a, a collection of different things sure. for depending on what we're doing, you know. Right. Uh, I've got a, I've got a fifty-one fifty-two twelve combo. One of the uh, that's one of my that was always been one of my favorite rock and roll amps. Yeah, I've heard it's a great amp. That I played back, you know, twenty twenty something years ago, the original PV two twelve. Yeah. Man, I love it. I mean, you know, it's a rock amp. It, ne it never gets clean. You know, there's right. no clean. <laughs> but, um, and I, I mean, you know, I got some Fender stuff and some different, you know, all the usual suspects, a deluxe and then super. Uh, but I think the past, um, I don't know, maybe five or six years, maybe longer, like the Dr. Z amps, um, I, I I don't ever get away too far away from. I might try something else out. I might yeah. go get something else. But I always seem to come back to, um, especially the Maz 38. Um, I've, I've always had, for the past 15 years, like I still have my Maz 18, and I've never gotten rid of it, and I've gotten rid of all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So I, I really like that amp. I have, a, I have a, a Maz 38 head, and I have a Maz 38 212. Man, to me, that's like rock and roll heaven. Um, just gets broken up enough, and if you got a couple pedals, and it'll do like you can still get kind of classic blues, you know, when you just use the amp. Yeah. But it'll rock if you want to do a, you know, full on rocking out kind of thing. And then um, the other one is Vintage Sound. I don't know if you if you know Ricky Hayes down in Florida. I do not. No. But uh, he makes 
really awesome Fender, um, um, I guess you'd call them clones, but you know, like he doesn't do anything to them. They're, they're made like the original, you know, Fender amps, yeah. uh, but really well. So I've got several of his amps uh, that I just always use because yeah. they sound great. And he made me a Vibroverb last year. So oh, it's cool. a surf green 115 yeah. uh, with the, with the Diaz mod and the tremolo where you turn the tremolo in and out. And uh, Oh man, it's uh, it's pretty spectacular. That sounds pretty killer. Now, yeah. now uh, I know a lot of guys, you know, a lot of blues guys just like to go straight guitar to amp. Sure. And I, and I know you got a closet full of pedals there. <laughs> I'm guessing that, you know, you got to have a few that you're using or. Yeah, I, I don't really, um, I don't really, I don't know if we're supposed to curse now, but I don't really give a shit too much about what anybody says. Right. <laughs> Tab, Tab Benoit's been telling me for 20 years, oh, you got your lapetos with you, huh? You going to play with your toys, bro? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, whatever, man. I don't, you know. Right. You do you. I, I don't really care. Now, sometimes I love the idea of, of like, if, I'm gonna, if we're going to rock, Man, I, I would like that 5150 combo. I mean, I could plug cord into that and just turn the volume up and down and we could rock. And that's what I used to do back when I was playing bars around St. Louis, you know, back in the late 90s. That was my, yeah, that was it. But we were rocking, you know, it was like more of a rock band kind of thing. Um, but yeah, you know, like the Dr. Z, like I can certainly get it. I can get it like, great for blues all on its own mm -hmm. you know if we're just doing this one kind of thing but if we're gonna a lot of my songs you know that a record might have a a song that's you know more like a cleaner guitar and with some reverb and, you know more traditional sound or whatever but then there might be a song that's a little more like kind of hendrixy with the fuzz and and i'm trying to play my songs yeah that's what guys always ask me about. Oh, I think, man, you know, I'm, I'm playing my music. So I need this. I need the, the sounds to do my music. Yeah. So I don't have a massive pedal board with, you know, I don't have any of that. Uh, usually if I'm bringing pedals, it's pretty simple. You know, if there's yeah. a tuner and a, maybe a little mini wah, yeah. And like some kind of a phaser or tremolo or something, you know, if I'm going to get really get out there right. and then, you know, like a, an overdrive. Yeah. And I like, um, you know, I mean like a blues driver, I probably always have a blues driver, boss blues driver pedal in my gig bag everywhere I go. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. It always works. <laughs> like, and you always get to work. I've done European tours where all I brought was a guitar and a blues driver, and they gave me a different crappy Fender amp every night in a different city that didn't maybe work, and I could plug that blues driver in, and we could figure out how to to do a show. You know, yeah. it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, blues. Yeah. Driver. I think everybody's got a blues, everybody's got a blues driver, but me. Well, they you, you need one, and you know, I, I, mean, I need one. You you know what? Mike, I've got 
Mike, I've got 82 overdrive pedals. I don't <laughs> Okay, maybe not. Well, you know, it just, it works. And I, I guess it's because it's what I'm used to, you know. Of course, I've got, you know, um, I mean, I've got all kinds of stuff. A lot of the stuff I have is for recording or making records, you know. Yeah. Like, the thing that was always fun was, you know, we'd take Samantha Fish when we made her first couple of records and one we did over in Louisiana, not far from my house and, or Albert Castillo when we did his big dog record, you know, I, I load up, you know, 10, 12 amps and 20 guitars and suitcases of pedals. And we would bring all this crap over there and, and just put it all out on the floor and then set everything up and then song by song, let them work and go like, Hey, hold on. You know what? Like I got a cool, you know, vibe pedal we should plug in and, just have things there to get different sounds on the record, you know, to make yeah. it more interesting and stuff. But yeah. when I'm going live, I just, you know, if the amp will break up a little bit, something it will kind of push it, you know, uh, I'm not really into compressor compression or compressors or, uh, um, you know, tube screamer works, something like that. Any right. of those things, you know, work. Um, right. I don't have any expensive clons or anything or, <laughs> I don't have anything like that. Well, uh, so when you when you're in the studio, though, I know you just talked about how you throw everything out there on the floor and you bring it all in, which is which it would be a lot of fun. It, I'd find it hard to get anything done. Well, but, yeah, and you know we probably don't use ninety percent of it. Right, right. But uh, what about when it comes to uh, plugins or a fractal or a Kemper or something like that? Like right now, you weigh has, uh, you know, an array of great plugins for like Foosh amps and Marshall Plexis. And there you go right there. So oh. <laughs> this is FM3. That's the three. If Fair my enough. blues friends are watching, they're all like having aneurysms right now, you know. That's all right. They'll you be know, okay. So in this studio here where I, I mean, I do, you know, most of the work and a lot of it's production work. Uh, it's all universal audio. So universal audio is what we use for our ends. And there's just amazing plugins. So we do yeah. all the studio work is with plugins. You know, the, the Neve uh, console on my computer right, is right. all plug-in and sounds amazing, you know? So um, I'm not, I'm not at all. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Embarrassed to tell you, like on my Chuck Berry record, um, you know, when we did that record, we have 21 guest guitar players. Now, certainly we didn't get together. We didn't get together with any of them. Right. And we had to make it over nine months. And, you know, I might have, maybe I talked to Eric Gales and he goes, yeah, yeah. Okay, man. I'll, yeah. I'll play on record. That sounds cool. But now you got to get him to do it. Yeah. You know? And he's touring and there's shows and he's got family and stuff. So, you know, you got to leave him a pretty big window. To, you know, you got to leave three months to try to wrangle these people. You can't go, hey, I need it next week. Right. Because uh, then, you know, they may go, well, I can't do it. So we went in and made that record. And um, and we cut, you know, drums, bass, guitar, piano, all, all live. We cut all that live with like a scratch vocal. And then we did the whole album like mm. that. But, and there's no lead guitar. And then we send Eric Gales his track and we go, and it might be three months, it might be five months. And then he sends it back. You know, we finally wrangle him and he sends it back. And then I get it back 
and then I got to decide, am I playing lead with him or, or is he playing lead and I'm just playing rhythm, you know? So it was a process. All of my initial guitar tracks on every song are plug-in Fender Tweed on mm. the Universal Audio. Yeah. Because uh, I'm producing, I'm sitting here managing the band, doing the arrangements, doing everything. We're, we're, we got five people in this little room. And uh, the easiest thing in the world is just to plug Telecaster right into the Universal Audio, pull up Defender Deluxe Tweed, you mm -hmm. know, and the stuff sounds unbelievable. Yeah. That was before I got an Ox box, which I got an Ox now, which is, right. oh my God, I can take any amp, you know, and plug it into any speaker cabinet. It's amazing. Yeah. So I, I'm all for it. I mean, I'm for whatever makes it sound good. Yeah. And when I hear it, when I hear that, I go, well, shit, man, that sounds like a, like a Fender Deluxe Tweed. It sounds pretty great, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I just left that on every track. All my rhythm guitar tracks are all that. And um, so I don't, I don't have a problem with it. This Fractal, okay. Um, well, and thanks to the fine folks at Fractal who, uh, I mean, I, I paid for mine, but they were able to, to hook a brother up. Um, this is to see if I can use it live. Yeah. Okay. Now I've got this, uh, we don't have many gigs right now, but I have this cover band that me and local, some local music. There's another great guitar player that, well, there's a lot of great guitar players down in Southeast Texas. I mean, a lot. Yeah. One of, one of these guys I'm good friends with, his name is Todd Howard, and he plays guitar for Granger Smith. And that's a pretty big gig, you know? Mm -hmm. And so they're not on tour, and he's home. So we thought, well, there's some gigs down here in Texas, especially like outdoor patios, things. Well, I, I can't play Mike Zito shows, but uh, we thought, well, maybe we'll play a, let's start a cover band. Right. So just off and home. And so we play Van Halen and Pearl Jam and Black Crows and Audio Slave, all kinds of stuff that I would never, ever get to play. Right. And he's got his Kemper, you know, yeah. and we just we plug everything into the PA. So that's been a whole new world for me. And I, I, it's fun. I like it. You know, and the, it sounds, man, this thing sounds like, whoa, I had no idea. Yeah. And so the fractal folks were like, man, we'd be really excited to see if you use it with some blues, like put some videos up for blues and stuff. And I wonder if like blues guitar players' heads would just explode. Uh, probably some of them. <laughs> but you know what? Let them go, man. It's okay. You, there, there's, you know, there's that whole, there's this whole battle between the analog and the digital. And there's some people that you'll never move away from analog because sure. you know they they want to feel the air from the 412 pressing up against the back of their legs and and you know, i always do i, I do yeah. too sure yeah but when it comes to when it comes to using like that for a live show i mean that's genius i mean think about it you got a guitar you got your fractal that's it that's all you got you don't have to take anything else anywhere else and i talk to guys that do that they travel all over the world and that's all they use is that right there. And it's amazing to me. It's like, I, I can't believe that 
They're not yep. using, they don't even have no amps, no cabinets on stage. Right. right. It's going well, to their ears. If, or to the look, if, if you're doing that, you know, okay. I don't know how, how good it would work if you're going down to the corner bar to sit in the blues jam. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it, it, it I don't know how good it would do for that or not, but if you're doing shows, yeah, you got a show you're putting on and it, and it to me, if it makes the show good. Yeah. Because when I'm doing the show, I'm singing. I mean, I want to play guitar. I love playing guitar. But I'm going to sing and front the band and do songs and sing. And and if they can take the guitar and put it into the mains direct, and there's guitar. I mean, the, first of all, now my guitars get heard everywhere. Yeah. Not just one spot pointy off the stage, super loud. And... And then the people over here can't hear it, and blah, blah, blah. And they hear it everywhere. Um, I'm all for it. And, and to me, it makes a show, uh, can make a show really worthwhile. So I've kind of danced back and forth with it the past two or three years. I've tried the Helix. You know, I took Helix on a tour one year to summer to Europe, and, and it worked and it worked really good. Um, so I think I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, but I'll be honest, I still use it like kind of a dummy older dude. Like yeah. I still have an amp on stage. Right. Right. And um, what I do is uh, I, I like, I'll probably run this like a pedal board. Yeah. Tuner with a tube screamer and a, and a phaser and a tremolo, like a pedal board. Like, so I can just like right. turn the tube screamer on and off, turn the tremolo on and off, turn the phaser on and off or whatever. Right. Right. And, and just run that into the front of a clean amp and use the amp just like normal. I'm just running pedals into the amp. But then on the back chain, on the XLR out, I can run like a Fender Deluxe plug-in with a 112 SIM. And they can run that XLR out and run into the front of house. And now they're getting a very similar thing, but they don't, they don't have all the volume so I don't have to crank the amp up very loud. I just have a little bit of the amp going. I haven't put a little bit of the direct in the monitor. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty awesome, man, to yeah. me. Yeah. You know? And the guys in the band love it. Yeah. There's just not screaming guitar in one spot and they got to stand next to it or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. So the thing sounds better. So I don't know why it would be a bad idea to sound good. <laughs> I don't know either. I, I think that they're, I think they're genius, especially, you know, if you're a touring guy, you know, and you're traveling all over the world and that, you know, it's just a simpler way to go, you know, as opposed to, you know, paying freight or, you know, having a van full of equipment Man. and crap, you know, how many broken twins there are in Italy. <laughs> I, I don't mean, know. <laughs> I don't know. Speakers, no reverb, you know, just, I mean, they're. Yeah. God, and you take your tone, you dial in your tone, you have it, it's there, and you just take it with you wherever you go. Night after night. Now, I'm not an advocate. I mean, I, I am an advocate. I'm, I'm, a, a, I'm an analog guy, you know, myself. I got a pedal board, and I play, through, I play through a foosh into a Mesa Boogie cabinet. That's my go-to, you yeah. know, in that. But uh, the more I mess around with that stuff, yeah, or the more of a fan I am. Look at I had a I had a Line Six Pod one time, and I had it in a bag, and I used to carry it around to gigs just in case. 
Yeah. I, I was case my batteries went out or case, I don't know. Case of, I don't know what, but I carried it. And I was doing a blues festival in Peoria, Illinois with Chris Duarte and my amp went out. I mean, it went out and I didn't have a spare amp, but I happened to have this pod in my car. So I was able to get the pod, you know what I mean? Push away the pedal board and just yeah. plug the pod into the system and just use that. And I had this aha moment at that time. And I went, wow, well, maybe I could just do this. And then I got home, you know, and was rehearsing with the guys. And I was like, no, I can't do that because it just doesn't feel the same to me. Feel the same, right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that's why I think I incorporate, I'm going to try to incorporate. And look, I've, I'm telling you, I've done this. Guys in the band will tell you, I've gone back and forth and back and forth between couple different things here or there and um, it's mostly uh, because of that we're playing this catalog of my music and just they're not it's not one thing yeah it's not just blues this style or this there's so, some song stuff there's some southern rock stuff there's some really rock and blues there's some I mean there's some countryish sounding stuff so the songs, it, it's kind of, to me, it's more about, well, I can get the sound for the song. Yeah. And, but I'm still trying to keep it simple. I don't necessarily want to, I'm not going to run it where I got like a different amp for a different song and all these effects and stuff. Just want to be able to kind of get the sounds that I need. But yeah. I can usually do that with a Telecaster and a, you know, a decent amp and a, and a couple of pedals, you know, that, that usually works also. Always. Right. But that that touring, traveling, night after night thing is in my head. Especially that the, those European tours, you know, it's 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 hard to, man, it's hard to get a. You just show up and they got, you don't know what they got. And that yeah. time I went to Italy and I brought that Helix. Um, we just plugged into the PA and everywhere we went, the show was great. Yeah. And why didn't I just keep doing that? <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> well, and, you're old school. Yeah, yeah. But, but I like gear, Jimmy, you know, because I worked at a music store. And, and I love gear. And I, and I lived through this time where it was all these things were changing. And, you know, and um, so I, I like gear. I like the idea of that the, the technology is so amazing now that you can't tell. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But I also love plugging into my my Fender Tweed Deluxe. Yeah. Nothing like it. No. Yeah. Nothing like it. I I have uh, a Fuge Overdrive. Yeah, I know that amp. It's my favorite amp. But uh, when I went to record my last CD, I went to use it, and then I found out that they had it in the UA plug-in. And so I didn't use the actual amp. I just used the plug-in. Yeah, and yeah. I have that plug in. I have that plug in and I have the Friedman too. Yeah. That's, that's oh, which Friedman do you have? Uh, well, I think I have the BE, but I also have the Dirty Shirley plug in. That's a good, that's yeah. a good tip too, man. I, that's yeah. a rock amp. Yeah. And I got the 20 watt version of the Dirty Shirley. I absolutely love oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so what's, so what's next for you, Mike? I mean, I know right now you guys are, you know, everybody's in limbo in that, but, uh, I mean, what's on the horizon here? Well, we, um, we made a, a, I've got a record that I've been working on. Um, and I took, 
more time than I normally do because we have time. And uh, it's, I, I think it's going to come out at the end of summer, maybe September, something like that. But uh, really excited about this new record. It's called Resurrection is the name of the album. And um, all new original stuff. It's definitely blues and blues rock based, but um, it's got a big sound to it. Mm-hmm. Our time, a lot of times I would go in and just, we play live, I play the guitar track and it's like, well, that's that's it. That's what it is, which yeah. is, I like that. But this time I, I spent a little more time and uh, I got the great David Z uh, helping me produce this record. He's, he's doing mixes for me now. And um, we got the horns on there. We got, uh, oh man, it's, it's pretty rocking, big sounding. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing that with the hopes that we're going to get to doing some shows by the, by middle or end of summer or fall. I mean, I'm hopeful that, you know, it's going to start to happen again. So I'm getting excited. Like I, I'm working on a record just like I would. We're going to put a record out and tour. And, and uh, But in the meantime, um, I have got a, I got a show next week with Chris Duarte and Ellie Venable in Austin at a drive-in movie theater that we're doing. Yeah, I saw that. That's, look, you know, and we got a show with Jim Suler at the Heights Theater in Houston. Um, so we've got some shows. And, you know, I do some, like I said, I do some local things, which has been really fun. Tomorrow night I'll be uh, playing the solo to Crazy Train, <laughs> and uh, and I'm very excited about it. It's super fun. Now, are I, you are you guys uh, off note? Or are you guys get, supposed to get a bunch of snow tomorrow? You're in St. Louis, right? Oh no, I'm in, I'm in Southeast Texas. So. Oh, okay. Well, you're not getting no snow then. It's nice. It's nice. <laughs> oh uh, man, we got dumped. Yeah, I was in St. Louis, but I just came home today to Texas. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. So I'm, I mean, I'm really lucky. I mean, we got stuff to do with the record label. We got, you know. Um, What's the, the next big thing going on there? Well, uh, there'll be a new Albert Castillo record this year. They'll, and and this will be the first record that I'll put out on Gulf Coast Records. Yeah. And so that's kind of the big thing I, is that I'll be moving on. And I'll find, I'll put this record out now on my record label. Yeah. So that'll be kind of big. And then we, we have a couple other things, but we kind of pulled back the reins this year just because of, you know, we went all in last year and it, and it just, you know, it was nothing going on. So, but, but we're not stopping just, we're going to, we're going to put out maybe three or four records this year, but yeah. probably not anything until summer. Cause right. You know, it's just kind of slow right now, but, uh, Man, I'll tell you what, though, I think I'm playing guitar pretty good because I've been practicing for the past <laughs> <few months. laughs> Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Like, I feel like, hey, man, all right. Like, I've, I've been, like, getting up every morning and practicing. And, um, you know, I do a lot of work with True Fire. Right. You know what they are. And, and um, so they were really great last year. And uh, I do a Zoom um, boot camp. You know, I've been doing like I do this once a week Zoom boot camp where guys can sign up. And uh, it's it's like a one hour every Monday night. And we work with backing tracks and we work on just, you know, whatever different improv technique, whatever. And all those things have kind of contributed to I feel, you know, I feel I'm feeling good playing guitar. 
<laughs> still no Joe Bonamassa or Eric Gales or none of that shit, but you know, who is? Yeah. But, uh, well, Joe Bonamassa and Eric Gales are. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. No. <laughs> They're so good. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, you know what? You know, I, I'm actually I'm starting a new segment for YouTube for Guitar Talk, and uh, it, it's called Hidden Gems. And the object is is to to highlight guys all over the world that are like really amazing players, really great bands, but you know nobody really knows who they are. That's cool, man. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? Because there's a lot of guys, you know, like even in blues slew of guys that are fantastic amazing players as a matter of fact the first guy we're going to highlight is mike wheeler in chicago oh i love mike wheeler and he's still who doesn't, who doesn't? yeah you know what i mean so yeah. that's fantastic. I you, yeah i tell you what mike i really appreciate your time and uh because you've given me quite a bit of it you know i really Maybe thank you man i love what you're doing it's awesome all right, there you go, Mike Zito, Texas Bluesman, Mike Zito, right here on Guitar Talk with me, Jimmy Warren. I want to thank Mike for participating in this episode. Extremely gracious. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. I actually really look forward to the next opportunity that I have uh, to chat with Mike. You know, he's a really cool cat to, to spend a little bit of time with. Uh, you know, to find out more about Mike, about his releases, what's going on in his world, go to MikeZito.com. That's MikeZito.com for everything about Mike Zito. And also, make sure you're supporting the guys at Gulf Coast Records. A lot of great artists on there in that they're doing a great job. And uh, I'm sure that it's just going to get better and better and better and bigger as time goes on. So once again, Mike Zito, thank you so much, buddy. All right, next week we're going to bring a husband and wife duo from across the pond, from the U.K., right here to Guitar Talk in Chicago. Uh, the band is called When Rivers Meet. Yeah, that's the name of it, When Rivers Meet. It's a husband and wife duo. They pretty much do it. Everything is a duo. A lot of really cool uh, sounds, a lot of really cool music. It's very essence of early Zeppelin and early free, really, you know, ancient rock stuff, really cool. And uh, they're, they're a great team, you know. Uh, they play guitar and mandolin and all kinds of instruments and sing and stuff. It's a great interview, a great band. You're really going to enjoy it. So uh, tune in uh, on Sunday the 4th for uh, an episode with When Rivers Meet. Also, so you know, back in January, we did a competition, an improv competition, where people uh, registered and played to a backing track that we selected, and they sent in the video, and then we chose a winner, and they won a guitar and the opportunity to be on the show. Well, Derek Lyons from Ontario, Canada, is the one who won uh, the competition. Now, he received the guitar today, as a matter of fact, and uh, he's going to be sending me photos and stuff like that. But he'll also be on Guitar Talk uh, on the 4th, which is this Sunday. He'll follow the episode of When Rivers Meet. We're going to talk in depth to him about what is inspiring him, what's going on in his musical world, and uh, what possessed him to even think that we would ship the guitar out if you want it. 
<laughs> I'm only kidding. Ah, that was funny. I wanted to keep it. I really did. It was a beautiful GNL ASAT uh, Blues Boy Telecaster. You know what? I appreciate you guys tuning in and that. And make sure you go to guitartalkofficial.com. Sign up to subscribe to our site and our newsletter. And until uh, Sunday the 4th, you know, uh, have a good few days. And I will see you then right here on Guitar Talk. Thank you so much. <laughs>